With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to this week's Misery Hunters podcast. I am not Jamie Coburn. Jamie, still feeling the effects of a, a pretty sore weekend in Amsterdam. Him and the other three boys have gone off for a wilderness retreat to try and go over that. Um, believe uh, one of the other boys had a bit of bother with his phone getting stolen and his pet horse. So, best of luck to them, and uh, hopefully they'll be back fairly soon. The one remaining Misery Hunter that is joining me is Sam Smith. How's it going, Sam? Hola. All right. It's fair to say that you, like me, couldn't care less about Jamie's trip to Amsterdam or the the horse uh, incident. I'm more interested in kind of how Ross got in with the horse. I think it's a bit of a bizarre video, to be honest. But uh, if you haven't, uh, if you if you don't know what we're talking about, it's kind of fairly. You can just type up a uh, horse video, and then you'll see what happened with Ross. A shame yeah. for the guy, but hopefully he's all right. Or uh, you know, find one of us on WhatsApp and we'll forward it over. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, We've got one game to talk about that happened last night, the second midweeker in a row for the Saints. Um, neither of us were there. No. Nope. As is fairly standard now with our, our levels of commitment. Um, watch the whole game, though. Watch the, watch the first half back today, though. That's how committed yeah. I am to this. Of course, of course. We should probably start at the start. Uh, Stephen Robinson going with an almost unchanged side, just swapping in Mandrone for... For Alessandra, do you feel like that was the right way to go? Aye, I think I think I've said before, and I said it before the before the St Johnston game. I think when you're playing, I, I know it sounds mental saying it, but like you, the Hibs, by the way, they've started are one of the lesser teams in the league, and I think especially with the players that they had, guys that they didn't have in the starting eleven, like Boyle, you'd probably be looking for us to take the game to them and take advantage of their kind of. They're weaker defenders, you know, like Fish and, Fish and Bashiri are pretty shaky. And on top of them, if one of the two of them is not playing, it's handling. So you're really looking for a guy like Mandrant to go out and bully them. But it, it kind of just it didn't, it didn't work out that way. Whenever I, I, I would kind of listen to Stephen Robinson and accept when he said he thought it was one of our best performances of the season, I think that might be slightly tongue-in-cheek, to be honest. Yeah, I think if you're still listening to Stephen Robinson press conferences and taking him at his word on every subject, then you've not been paying attention. Aye, I know. But I, I think the lineup was the right idea. We definitely, I can see in home games playing Boyd months because you're looking to control it a wee bit more. But as we'll get on to it, I think the dynamic of the game just changes when you get back us on. You're a wee bit higher energy against guys like Campbell and Newell. Not for the, the first time this season either. I think uh, Bacchus has been introduced in the second half and it's it's just changed the the dynamic of the game entirely. To be honest, it just hassles people. Joe Newell is someone who I'd imagine as a Hibs fan 
could be quite frustrating, but I feel like as a Simran fan, just always seems to show up against us and always seems to have a lot of his own way in the middle of the park. I think, I think every other team in the league's pretty, um, outside the old firm, I think they're pretty envious of Hibs having a guy like Joe Neal. I think he's, I think he's really good. I know uh, Andrew's a massive fan of him as well. I can remember before Andrew even like come on the podcast, they would kind of talk about him in his his blogs and stuff as well. He's a he's a really good player, really underappreciated by Hibs fans when you kind of see the comments online about him. But obviously, we'll get to it. He pops up with a really important goal, but I, I think he kind of, uh, I think you need a guy like Bacchus up against him. Well, um, we'll get to the goals individually in a, a moment, but just to, to talk about the first half in general, I felt like it was a kind of carbon copy of the St Johnston first half. For a lot of it, so, so passive. Slow. Yeah. Aye, just just really slow. I think the only kind of shining light was was probably Tanza. I think the first half, but I think for the most part, we just looked we looked really sluggish. I know we are pretty. I've seen it a lot of people going on online. So you know, we're supposed to be pressing for the front, which. Absolutely, it's it's definitely right in saying in saying that. But I don't. I think if you're playing with Mandarin, you're kind of accepting that you're not going to press from the front. Mandarin's not there to press. And a lot of people are saying he's lazy and this and that. He's he's doing what he's been told to do. Like no, what no players going on a park and just kind of mooching around like that, unless that's what they've been told to do. That's what his role is on the team. He's to to a big guy. You get the ball up to him. You hold it up. You play off him. You get the ball in the box. He'll put the ball in the net. And, Aye, it, it just kind of takes a lot out of our game. If we've not got all the ball and we're having to do a bit of running about, Mandarin's not your guy. I think you do need probably Grieve or Toyose in there to kind of make it a wee bit more worthwhile. But again, I've, I'm not criticising Mandarin at all. He's, he's had a great start to the season. Just just a different type of player for that sort of game. Yeah, I mean, I think he's good at what he does and he's, he's, he's seemingly... He's obviously got a, a goal scoring touch. I think uh, you know he's 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 put away what he's had the chance to to put away. I think you maybe notice that extra bit that Curtis Main had when you watch Mandron. Main was able to be that physical presence. He was able to hold it up and bring other teams in, but Main also ran himself into the ground, pressing teams back, and it was that kind of rare combination of maybe what you get out of both. Uh, it's goals, just it's it? just the. It's just a trade-off in it, because what did Main score last year? Did Main, Main finish up on eight, seven or eight? I think so. You know, Mika's already on six for the season, and I, I think that, that is the kind of trade-off. And I think you're kind of hoping to lessen the workload of Mandarin by having energetic guys like Kilty and McMenamin yeah. around them, but as we've seen last night, if if Kilty and McMenamin are both off it, then it's it's pretty hard for, for any striker to get in the game. I think as, as well, our game plan just now very much seems to be a two-part thing. It's based about us getting out the blocks quickly, putting teams under a bit of pressure, hopefully getting in front, exploiting teams um, in behind if you can. And if you're getting lots of service in really quickly, Mandron's a great option to have because he's he's there to get on the end of it. If you're not if you're not getting that service in, Mandron's maybe the wrong option. It's tough to know that that's going to be the case. If, if you're not getting that in, you need the guy who's going to Chase people down and running behind and stop teams building stuff. Whereas, once the once the right balls are coming in from Mandron and Mandron, to be to be fair, did seem just a bit off it last night. Aye, it can didn't look he, a didn't lot worse than it maybe is. Aye, I can definitely see why people kind of thought he was a wee bit lazy. He did look as if he was 
you know, kind of towing a caravan when he was moving about. But I can't, there was so many, so many players off it last night, including guys like Gogic, who yeah. we'll probably get to in a second. But I just it was weird. I don't think we've had as many players so off the boil in the one game for a, for a while. But it, uh, I don't actually think the first half at St Johnston it was kind of it was similar. But I think we were probably a wee bit better against St Johnston. Maybe you notice it a bit more when you're playing a team like Hibs who've got players that can punish you. I mean, yeah, St Johnston true. don't really have, have anything that can punish you at all. So, I think that was the thing. I think if we played like we did in that first half against St Johnston against anyone else, we'd probably would have been punished a, a couple of times. Whereas as it stood, we kind of bumbled our way to scoring a, a really uh, unlikely goal and then capitalised on it. It felt like last night might be starting to go that way. Um, no more so than when. As you mentioned, Alex Gogic made a bit of a, a bit of an error, let uh, let pass make its way through to Josh Campbell, and and he took his goal. But I think initially, I was quite critical of Hemming, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Hemming think would think that he should have done better there, because I think you're you're going to be critical of yourself as a keeper. But I I think it was a good finish. I don't think Hemming was slow to get down. I don't think he was you know he T-Rexed it. I think. It wasn't it fun. Remind- it was a good finish. I, it kind of reminded me of watching Craig Sampson, to be honest. It looked like the sort of shot that Craig Sampson kind of famously struggled with if you hit the ball kind of low down. I know it wasn't right in the corner. And I, I can't remember who it was on the Discord that said that keepers shouldn't get beat at the near post. Which I think is a, a kind of a fair criticism at times, but I think like you're saying, see, the, see if it is a kind of really, see if it's a good finish. A good finish in at your near post. It, nine times out of ten takes keepers by surprise. No one. It's only if you're a really, really good player, then you've got the balls to kind of go and try and hit it in the near post. I wonder uh, if you're maybe expecting it either to be rolled to the far post or I to think be laced, laced at I, the near post. So if it's going to go near post, it's going to go kind of high and through it. Aye. Whereas actually, it's just a really tidy, tight finish. I've seen a few people maybe having a go at Zach for it. I, I did last night after the game, I kind of thought he might have done better, but I think once I looked at the back, I was like, I think he's, I think he maybe takes a step to the right, but as you said, he's probably expecting him to go and hit it in the far corner. I think Campbell, in fairness to Campbell, Campbell's a pretty good finisher as well. He's got a good scoring record. He's, that's a couple of times he's scored now in Paisley as well, so he always seems to pop up with a goal for Hibs. Uh, I think the, the damage is uh, the damage is done. I think as well before it gets to to that point. I think Robinson mentioned um, in his post match last night that Gogic was straight in and apologised to Aye. to for his error. Um, and it's not you know we're not talking about a kind of career ending error here. It's not something that's going to follow him for. It just gets kind of lost in. I, hate, I think see me watch it back. He slips as well. Yeah. I think like kind of just before it, which then obviously when you're slipping, you're completely out of sorts. And balls underneath from it's not the end of the world though. And like like Robinson said, for a guy who's been immense since he went into centre half, like it's hard to really hard to criticise him. But it wasn't the it wasn't the last thing he done wrong on it anyway. No. Before uh, before we get to the the start of the second half, maybe a, a quick mention. We've just talked about him and being beaten a little too easily. He's near post. Deserves a bit of credit for that save down low from Yuan. Aye, big um, time. Just yeah, just inside the box. Um, kind of later on in the the half, a really um, really competent save. Good bit of goalkeeping, good technique 
kind of deserves the credit. If, if we're going to be you know, kind of granular and pull up the other stuff, then I think you also need to recognise when he does stuff like that. I think he oh, uh, had a good game last night. Yeah, yet another good game from him, to be honest. Again, another thing I didn't think I was going to be saying at the start of the season, but he fully deserves all the plaudits that's coming his way. I think he, I think it was it last week he done his interview with Langfield and the, the interview on Langfield and the, the Daily Express. Mm-hmm. And he, he said it's the most he's enjoyed playing his football when he puts it down to Jamie Langfield. So, like, it's, I, I think we've, we've spoken about it in a group chat before. I think Langfield deserves enormous credit for bringing on already good goalkeepers and making them even better than they were before. Like, I don't think there's a goalkeeper that's left here worse, worse off. Every goalkeeper that's left us under Langfield's left better. Is there something think, to be said for confidence? Like it, it seems like he breeds confidence in keepers as much as anything else. A 100%. I think that's probably something Zach needed. I think it was well documented by guys like me who went back and watched the games that Hemming played for Kilmarnock last year and I don't think it's unfair to say that shocker they did to be some of the goals they were conceding was just think when you watch them now you you would be really it's really strange to think it's the same guy who was so low in confidence last year and so just kind of out of love with football to to be the guy he is now I mean he must feel 10 feet tall every time he's in the pitch just now I think important thing as well he's got the backing of the fans which is massive for a goalkeeper if you've not got guys groaning every time the ball comes near you and you've got everyone's got a good bit of confidence in you. It goes about the whole team and makes makes his life ten times easier and makes the team's life ten times easier. I think the fear from, from a lot of us at the start of the summer was after that run of guys who are all now elsewhere proving exactly why they were so popular here that the fear was that we'd maybe and taking someone who'd struggled like they had like Kevin had last season at Kilmarnock it was maybe a return to you know the, the kind of Mark Ridges Scott Gallagher kind of mix of, of goalkeepers where you you had <clears> someone in goals who was a goalkeeper but that was kind of that was very handy yeah whereas Hemming is contributing in a, a big big way he's a factor in unlock and you know unlike he's winning points. games yeah, yeah and he's, he's winning games on top of that so I think uh, even you know I, I think we mentioned this after the the Celtic game and, and I think it was covered on the the podcast but some of the saves against Celtic is well just such a such a great performance and if if you're putting performances in like that on those kind of nights then you're keeping it going at home against Hibs and you know hopefully away to Dundee on on Saturday then I think you're in a pretty good pretty good spot it doesn't feel like his form's going to drop. No, no, not at all. And I think even when he's, even when he's made, you know, sort of, I think, namely the only one I can really think of that was a kind of proper mistake was the, was the Kelly one. I think a couple of weeks ago against Lions, he comes out in the next week and he just completely, it's as if it's as if it never happened. He's just completely scrubbed it out of his mind, which is brilliant. I think so easily as well that goal against Kelly gets called back, and Aye. we never talk about it again. It's. You know, it's a mistake and you shouldn't shy away from that, but in another world, just as easily, no Aye. one's literally no one's ever mentioned it again. Aye. Aye. It's, he's just he's responded he's, how you'd want him to respond. He's full full credit to him. Keep it keeps us in games when we're if we're either if we're kinda on the losing side we're maybe struggling, he, he keeps it even, he keeps his in games and on top of that when we're winning, he, he keeps the points. Like I think you get back to some of the saves he's had in the games against uh, 
game against Motherwell at Fir Park, he was, you know, tremendous in the end that day. Not not just saves, it's coming out and taking cross balls, which he never, admittedly, never really had many to deal with. And he hasn't really in the last few weeks because I think teams have probably cottoned on to if you put the ball in and around the six-yard box, the chances are that Hemming's going to brush through a crowd and come out and pluck the ball at the sky, which kind of... It's a good thing you have. It's one thing that Carson probably never had. He wasn't... He was. I think Carson was pretty competent at crosses, but his strengths were elsewhere. I think Hemming's real main strength for me has been able to come out and pluck crosses for the sky. He's quick to react to stuff, for sure. Aye. Um, Probably the, the next big uh, incident to talk about is fairly shortly after the after the restart, where again, similar to the, the St. Johnston game, Saints did seem to have a bit of pur- more purpose when they came back out last night, and uh, it didn't take long for them to get their opportunity. What were what your thoughts on the, the penalty given for the foul on Taylor? Uh, <clears throat> I think it's good to, in a game outside the old firm, to see that applied, because I think so many times you only really see shirt pulls applied in bigger games and I kind of go back to one that Livingston got last eh, they get given against Livingston last year for Rangers I think it was Morelos that gets shirt pulled mm-hmm. ever so slightly but I don't think I've seen a lot of Hibs fans going on about of ours running football but I would simply if I was the defender not be pulling Richard Taylor's top when I don't need to because I don't even think the ball is going near him 15 yards from goal like what's the I don't, I don't the see point? the point in it. No, I it's don't. just, yeah, I think it's someone who's got away with stuff like that for so long that they think he can just kind of keep doing it without too much of a, a worry. Because, you know, that's the kind of thing that does go on, but... We get, did we, was it Mandron? Was the right thing? Mandron got stung for it against Dundee, didn't he? The, he pulled yeah, Ashcroft yeah. stop, yeah. Out, uh, out wide, um, which looked marginal, but it went another way. You, you think of, we got a goal chopped off at Easter Road for a handball where the ball's like behind Tate and it kind of ricochets off the... <clears throat> we can all go back and pull VAR decisions. Um, Aye. We are, um, you know, even involving us in Hibs where it's, it's gone the other way. So, you know... I don't, think that's it's, I don't think that's the contentious call that Hibs fans think it is. I think if that's the other way and it's Taylor doing it to... I can't remember who it was that brought him down. Obita. Uh, Aye. I, I just, if that's Obita on... If that's said Taylor or Obita at the other end, Hibs fans are screaming oh, for it. I just don't, I, I don't know what he's doing. And in, in the kind of day and age of VR, I think yeah, I think now, I think when I kind of go to games now, I just expect people to have the brains to keep their hands down. I know that just the, the age of being able to, you know, try a cheeky one like that's gone. Um, nah, it's something you don't get away with. Special which, mention for uh, Nick Montgomery saying that if that's a penalty, there's going to be 10 penalties a game after a game in which there was one penalty. Because he's a moron. He's uh, he's in, uh, already on borrowed time, I'd say, by the way. I think he's... Uh, you mean he's not the next f- Ange? No? Uh, for a guy who, in 2023, thinks he can come and play a 4-4-2 with guys like Paul Hanlon and Lewis Stevenson playing fairly consistently, I'd say there's a wee bit of an issue with the with the manager. I think he just seems a bit arrogant for a guy who, uh, I know, I, th- I think he won the league, didn't he? I think so. Was he, was he in Central he, Coast Mariners? Manager I, that, that won it with um, Cummings and... I, I get the I get the impression there's a fair bit of uh, kind of arrogance from him that he's kind of came here and thinks, oh, uh, 
I'll just be the next guy to come here and squish the league. Which, I mean, what he's only won one game since he's been in charge, and it was against us. Yeah, they haven't won in seven. That's a uh, that's wild. That's it's crazy. But I don't know. I don't know what he was talking about with that. I just, I think I'd probably be criticising my own players before I would be criticising the decision. I, do, I don't. I just don't understand what Obita's doing. The ball's not going near Taylor. Taylor's not a Taylor's not a threat at that point, and they pull him back's pretty daft. Yeah. Gave uh, Jamie a chance to roll out the most electrifying catchphrase in sports commentary. His signature move. Cool, calm, collected from the captain. Great penalty. Yeah, takes it, takes it really well. Puts the, puts the foot through it. Puts another helper buddy ticket into the, the pot for the season. I think that'll be up, up to fourteen. If, if I'm right, and um, it's fairly, fairly picking up now. I know, I know. I'm beginning to worry about how much is in there. I mean, it <laughs> might need more. Uh, we might need to actually start personally putting into it uh, at some God, point. No. Which, if we're having no to chance. do that, if we're having to do that, then that means that we are playing really well. So, uh, yeah, it's a small place to play. I, mean, I guess. To be fair, we could probably donate my season tickets so somebody can get used to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not using it anyway. Um, it's weird to get to a point where someone get a penalty like that, and I'm not nervous. I, I, it's been so many years since like I can remember actually having genuine fear when we got a penalty. I think the kind of I remember the season. Uh, it was the Jack the Great Escape season. I think we had like three or four different penalty takers at one point. We had like Sutton, Shankland, Marlin, Shankland, um, Shankland against at home. Was that yeah? And uh, I was in the main stand that day, and the abuse he took was like un- unlike anything I've ever heard out of a Superman crowd. Yeah, which Insane. I had for so many like years. Like 19 just, or something. For so many years, we just didn't have guys who you could rely on from the spot. And then obviously up came McGrath. McGrath only missed one in his time against us. Uh, no, his time for us, sorry. Uh, I think when McGrath was kind of absent, it was Brophy that Brophy hit one. And again, like you would look at Brophy and you would think a guy who, if you give it, I think from twelve yards and no one round him, you would expect to score. And then obviously it went to O'Hara and McLean oh, as well. Kenny McLean, Kenny, I'd actually, and I've said this before, I think Kenny McLean's one of the best penalty takers in world football. That I would go as far as saying that. I want to see if you go back and watch every penalty that you've seen McLean hit; they get lasered in the corner. Keepers yeah. have like side netting every time. Tremendous technique. Well, I can certainly be added to that list. He's not missed one yet, has he? He's he missed against there. Aberdeen. Um, so he did. Uh, but did it not come out and hit the keeper and then go in or it, something? It hit, it hit Rose. I hit so Rose. It went down as an own goal. O'Hara did run away and celebrate it embarrassingly. Yeah. Even when he misses, he scores. That's how good he is. That's That's a sign, of a, is. sign of a good football. Mark a champions. Um, Correct. The we're back in the game at that point. I think um, there certainly was a there certainly was a, a position there to try and capitalise on that. But uh, but uh, Nick Montgomery's hips would uh, would send it another way. We mentioned it earlier on. Joe Newell getting on the end of a good move from a hips perspective, but there's got to be questions asked about some of the defending. Aye, just some questionable questionable defending. Just looked as if we were getting pulled all over the place. To be honest, uh, every every defender's on the wrong side of the of their man or the. Because it all kind of starts moment. when the the pass rolls into Yuan, who, in fairness to 
in fairness to Ewan, like completely drops Taylor like a bad habit. Like it was a, a really, really good turn. He just kind of took Taylor out of the game. And then from that point, like players are getting pulled out of position to go and try and fill holes. And it's a bit of a disaster to a goal, really. Especially that there was guys lining up at the back post as well to kind of tap it in. Yeah, I think there was, there was options there. Tavares and Newell uh, were at the back. And didn't really have anyone near them. You see, Taylor's Taylor's nowhere, obviously, after having been breezed past at first. Gogic is then trying to catch up, and he's behind his man. Fraser's pulled all the way over, and there is Aye, just no that, one left at the back post by the time I it think is it is it Strain that kind of, Strain's the one that kind of tries and gets in front of it before it obviously mm-hmm. rolls in at the back. I, don't, I think uh, Boyd Munch was nowhere to kind of be seen at that point as well, kind of tracking the guys on the right-hand side. It's one of the ones, I don't know if that goal to be fair to Boyd Munsey, he was sitting on the bench at that point. So. Obviously, he was he off the bat. That's good. That's good to be. <laughs> only so it's only minutes. It's uh, it's kind of really unlike Bacchus to to kind of not follow these sort of runs. Like Bacchus yeah, is a guy who's kind of there to spoil things. He contributes really well at both ends. And he he always he's always in kind of picking up balls in a own box. Unusual. I don't know. I, I can't really remember the kind of passage I played to see if he was maybe further up the park at the point, but yeah. Aye, it was a frustrating goal to lose. I was doing my dinging at it when it, uh, when it went in on the telly. I think having the midfield two works well when we are at it and on things. It If we're having a bad night, it can be exposed fairly quickly. I think um, it does. Um, you know, I think Robin, something Robinson said fairly regularly is that you know you need everyone to have an on night Aye. For, for these things to happen. And I think last night was probably a a pretty good example of that performance-wise where the moment our level drops and guys aren't on that press or aren't winning the, the second ball or, you know, we're not creating the kind of stuff that we can capitalise on and force teams into mistakes. We're going to concede a yeah. couple of goals and we're going to be up against it. But credit um, credit where it's due. Um, Robinson made a couple more changes, introduced both Grieve and, and Jameson with just over 10 minutes to go. And I think uh, we could probably take a podcast just devoted to how different the performance looked with the two of them on the park Aye, ironically uh, Greaves' best moment of the game was something that if it was someone else doing it for Greave, Greave would be in on the end of it yeah, I think it was, sure. I don't know if, I, I don't know why Jameson never kind of, kind of took the gamble on that one, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. Hard, really hard to be critical I did not, I'm not being critical of Jameson at all to be honest he was I think I would probably say that's the best he's looked in a St Mirren shirt, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, I think he, he just looked proper ballsy performance to come on, demand the ball every single every single time he could get it. He'd be getting an area, he'd be demanding the ball, he'd be running at players. He just looked, he looked full of confidence, which is... Stay, uh, stay with me for a second. Can I pull McGowan-esque? Aye, aye. Really. his best... I like really wanting to drag the team forward, and even when stuff wasn't the perfect example of stuff not coming off as the goal, you know, he tries to. I think he, I don't know if you watched his interview, it was interesting to see what he had said that O'Carroll said to him every time that he gets a chance, hit it hard and low. Yeah, every every, t- every time he gets the chance to shoot, hit it hard and low. And I think obviously, guys that have seen him play from like kind of all the way younger age groups up to now have said that he is. He's the best finisher at the club. I, I, I think, obviously, you see, he said his chance came about from scoring a hat trick and a an inter squad friendly, as well. Which he then, I think, it was quite 
telling that he said, like obviously the manager tells you to treat these games like the proper the proper matches and if you do well in it, you get your opportunity. And he scored a hat trick and it got his opportunity. Something that's been really hard to come by since the League Cup as well. And I mean he's I think it's probably I think it'd be pretty unfair if he didn't start on Saturday. I think he's he's played himself into a position where you need to give him the chance. We've spoken a fair amount about it on the Discord with the, the Patreon subscribers and even in our group chat. And it's something we've, um, I'm sure we've mentioned on podcasts over the course of the summer and the early part of the season. But I think we were all happy to see Jameson extend. Day, but when we then signed you know, three, four other forwards and um, it was only offered that ended up going out on, on loan, I think we were all wondering kind of what the thought process was because I think once you've brought in those other guys your assumption is the young guy that's just extended his deal for a year it's probably sixth in line to to get minutes and it's not as if anyone above him I mean you probably weren't expecting Olisanya to have the turnaround that he, he did, uh, even, but... the, even the management team were like yeah but Jameson has through no fault of his own been that kind of sixth option the one that won't get on the bench if everyone else is on the bench and, and that kind of thing. So to see him keep his spirit and then to get on and then, you know, we um, we were talking, I'm sure uh, it may have been on Twitter, but maybe it was in the group chat, about when he came on against Livy. And, um, you know, Aye. Robinson's got very, very firm ideas about what people need to do in commitment. And if one, you know, kind of one link in the chain doesn't, doesn't stand up to it, then the whole thing falls apart. And that's, Levy was a good example of that. It's Jameson. He's, he's on to chase out a goal, but it's Jameson not following his man that kind of leads to... You, t- you touched on it. You, you touched on it, I think, that day, and you had said, look, it's fine if you're doing that in the Ferreira. For example, where he was, you can get away with being really good at one thing and no good at the other, I think. And at this level, in the top flight, you need to be good at everything. Then I think that's... that's probably a system just the- team as well we're uh, not we're not you know kind of thinking off the top of my head we're not Hibs carrying a boil who we can yeah. we can look at him and, and we can say to him do you know what see if you want to stand up at the other end of the part and no work yeah. go for it who cares Hibs can pay enough enough good players good money that the rest of the guys just kind of need to show up and let them do it for uh, some money to work our budget has to be spent cleverly and that has to be spent on getting the 11 most effective guys on the park or you know, 16 most effective once you've made your subs and everyone has to pull their weight and do this so that the next guy can do what they're doing and Jameson just get caught the wrong side of that against the, against Levy and I think there was a bit of fear at that point where you're kind of wanting these guys to get their chance and then to do something and to come on and do something that negatively impacts and you could see Robinson yeah. losing, losing the nut when that happened like, is that the thing that means in January he's the kind of option that makes way when a young is fit and all the rest? So, I, I, I think just the joy last night to see him come on and just grasp it, not hide. Just what's well, the, the first man, uh, just to like, grab the brass ring? He just did it. Aye, he's the first. Uh, I think I seen a guy on Twitter earlier, but he's the first academy striker to score since Thomas Riley. Yeah, which is a bad. It's a really good thing, but it's also really, really fucking bad that we've not yeah. we've not had the. I think that I think obviously there's a lot of expectation on the the, the two guys, obviously Jameson and, and Offord, who's out of Edinburgh just now. That there is 
expectation that they two are going to buck that trend and be good strikers, but it's a damning indictment on, you know, we've been really good at producing midfielders, you know, with the defenders that have done jobs like Jack Baird, but we've not really had a proper striker for a while. And I, hope, I mean, I, I hope that's the first of many for Jameson. Then he, he goes on to have a, you know, smashing three or four years at St Mirren before getting a really good move. And it, it might, it, sometimes it just takes something like that to completely turn his career. I think it's it's interesting because it, you know I don't think you can level any criticism at all at you know Stav Nachmany for no 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 for example who's done well when he's come on but I would be so happy for us to be in a situation where we had a guy up out the academy who was productive enough that we could maybe take that loan money we'd spent on having a fifth centre forward in on loan who wants games and maybe isn't getting them and we're able to kind of put that into some other area that we had to put it into and. Right. Hopefully, last night is that night for Jameson. It's the night where he kind of just takes that. I, I, you know, in the kind of back of my mind, I couldn't tell you who it was against. Or when back of my mind, there was a game for Henderson where he'd been coming on and impressing. There was a game for Henderson where he laced one in from the edge of Dundee United, maybe. Yeah, Dundee United. No, and they were just like he's he's got it. He's now we now don't need to worry about who's coming in to do that because we've got someone here who's who's got something about it. I'm just hoping that's. Jameson's night like that last night, you know, like Malin versus Dundee, just someone in no themselves. I had no idea it was uh, left footed. And by the way, some of his deliveries into the box were tremendous as well, especially the, the one that Olisanya should have got on the end of. Yeah, uh, big time, big time. And the only thing he got on the end of, I don't know if you've seen it, was the post and absolutely banjoly oh, sell off that the looked, post. Hey, that looked painful. Uh, I think but, uh, we, we don't really have. Kilty's a bit of a square peg, right? He's obviously comfortable in that advanced wide left position. Um, you know, he's not an out and out winger by any description, but he's comfortable in that bit of the park and doing what he does. We don't have any natural cover for for that. So if this is if Jameson's kind of proved that he's good enough out wide with the deliveries he's putting and everything else to be an option there, then he's just doubled his chances of of getting on the park and doing that more often as well. Aye, so aye. a big night for him. Aye, what a finish, man. What, like, fair enough, trying the kind of ballsy effort the first time he's left foot and then having the kind of, like, just having the total not giving a fuck attitude that a lot of young players seem to have. Like, that kind of fearlessness and thinks, you know what, I'll kill a pap it over you in my right foot. Great effort. Behind the defender, just so calm. Aye. It really is a composed, it's all the things we've been hearing about for, for so long. It's you can cool. absolutely tell though, and he said it in his interview, he'd, uh, he will look back at his celebration and probably cringe a bit, <laughs> because he said he just had no idea what to do. It's the, It's been a long time coming for him. Like I, yeah. I know we were talking before we went on here about a lot of our fans, bizarrely not actually knowing who he was, as if it's like some new player that we've got. But I mean, he's obviously he's made his debut against Rangers in 2020, so... He's been kicking about for a long time, and uh, aye, good, good to just see one of our own academy products get in, get a goal. And uh, that's how it's finished. Um, you know, the, just time for Andy Walker to give a shout out to Alan Grieve on the Sky Sports News coverage because he's a very <laughs> smart man who takes his job very serious. I think uh, Andy Walker was up sitting next to Jamie and Gordon, wasn't he? I think he was kind of essentially standing in Jamie's lap. By the, the looks of the positioning, I, I don't take it lightly, but uh, I don't say this lightly that uh, Andy Walker's a fucking throbbery, a guy. 
But I really, he's a he's a really bad guy. I mean, he's not. He's a bad commentator. Yeah, I don't actually think he's, he's. I don't. He used to be really biased towards Celtic, but not like. Yeah, John. John Hartson. Yeah, I think. Maybe, you know, instead of him saying he's a dreadful commentator, whatever, because I appreciate that we probably do qualify for being a glass house in that respect. <laughs> but um, I think he's a he's a talented talker of shit. He's someone who he's... makes outrageously bad points consistently. <laughs> but makes them sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he talks so much pish. And full credit to him for making a, a career out of it. Um, Aye, listen, he's the one the who, he gets paid a lot of money to do with something that we do for free. Uh, for free so, Aye, <laughs> like, power to the guy. But he gets pies. Uh, we get fuck all. We get the cold. That's usually what we get. We get the privilege of doing it. And uh, all joking aside, I would do it if they told us we had to pay. So. Aye, um, oh, 100%. If, uh, if James Hunter's listening, sorry, James. Um. How does this make you feel going into Saturday up at Dens? Uh, if we can buck the trend, I know starting very well. I'd feel a lot more confident. <laughs> but uh, they're a good team. I, I, I took a fair bit of heat on uh, on Twitter for saying it earlier in the season that I thought, uh, before the start of the league season, that I thought Dundee were going to be fairly good. don't know why. I don't... Uh, I kind of... I know Tony Docker, he's obviously in manager terms, a rookie, but... He's been around a good manager for the best part of 14, 15 years. And not in a Tommy Craig sense. Aye. That's always the worry. He's been a he's been part of a successful team. You know that way when someone gets described as like a really you know, really, really good on the training pitch, you know, like a Brian Aye. Rice or and you're Aye. like, ah well, if you're that good on the training pitch for thirty years and you've not managed, it's probably because Brian Brian Rice, the new uh, Livingston first team coach. I saw that first team coach at Livingston, good on him. Aye, he, he got appointed uh, just before he came on. But I, I, I kind of, I didn't see. A, I seen a lot of people tipping Dundee to go down. I, I think I said it was St Johnston at the time. I, I think Dundee recruited really well, and on top of that, got an He's not an experienced manager, but really experienced coach. He knows what it's all about. He's had the experience up at the top end of the table with Aberdeen. He's had it down the bottom end to become man. He's been roughly. You know, in the middle with St Johnston and and Aberdeen as well at points. I thought it was a fairly good appointment, and they've started off really well. For for all the plaudits we've got for how great our start's been, we're only four, I think we're only three or four points ahead of them. So five points you know. of a gap just now on the on the same points, but they're you know they've conceded one more goal than us. They've scored a fair bit less, but their defence is about as strong as ours. There's not much in it. I I think. I think there's. I think it'll be a really, really tough game. I think they've only lost once at home uh, since February, and that was to Rangers. Uh, they kind of built their foundations on being being fairly strong at home, and you know we've seen how far that can take us last year, considering how poor we were away from home. But it's been a good game. We we've seen we've upped our game away from home. We pick up points fairly regularly. I wouldn't be surprised to see us win. I also don't think a draw is a, a disastrous result. I actually think a draw would be. I take a draw before the game starts. In all honesty, uh, I think um, I think going to to either of the Dundee clubs is never something to be taken for granted, even when they're having ups and down seasons. And I think for Dundee to be promoted and to be sitting, I know the league's tight, but to be sitting in sixth 
two points ahead of the the kind of pack below. They feel like the sixth best team on record. I think that's that's kind of fair enough. Um, I'm I'm kind of the same as you. I'm I'm gonna I don't I'm not going into any games this season, be it Celtic Rangers or whoever else, with any fear, and I, I feel the same ahead of this one. I I feel confidence, not the word, but I feel comfortable going away and thinking we've Aye. absolutely got it in us to put a performance out there today and to take something Aye. similar to like going to Fur Park where you know we didn't have a great game and we were still good enough at the back not to, to worry too much and we created enough at the front to, to take something. Aye. I feel like that could absolutely be the story of the game on Saturday without too much uh, without too much drama. At the same time, I think literally anything's possible this season. It's a, it's a tight league, so I think it might be a, a fairly rough watch. I think if yeah. uh, we can if we can quote uh, your good close associate, Davy Martindale. Good man. Two teams two teams that set up fairly similarly, cancelling each other out. I think there's gonna be a, a kind of fair amount of that on Saturday, it's safe to say. I think so. I think there's enough quality on that side of, is it Luke McCown? Um I like McCown. Used to be air. I, like I, thought, uh, I thought I thought I remember at the time when uh, Dundee picked him up. I was pretty disappointed that we never kind of took the punt. They didn't even on the championship at the time. I think. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. I think they, they had just come up to the Premiership at the point they took McKibben. I was kind of disappointed we never took the punt. He seems to. They've got a. They've got a lot of quality. Uh, I think Cam- guys like Cameron, a talented footballer for sure as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously at the back, like they've they've got a. Their defence is. Is slower, but you know they've got guys who are proven players in this league, like Shaughnessy, who, for all that like, we're kind of, for all that we've said about him, it's obviously the right thing to let him go. Is still a good defender. Uh, they've obviously got a tremendous goalkeeper in Carson as well. Shaughnessy good... in a Sitman shirt up against Mandron in a Motherwell shirt. I'm back in Shaughnessy. Aye, aye, a hundred percent. I think uh, I would expect us to maybe go down the pace route a bit more. That's why, that's why I'm going to be shocked to see Jameson start. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, especially just kind of while it's hot, you know, keep it going. And I I think I think I feel like I, I get a young guy full of confidence with plenty of pace to burn. It's quite tricky as well. I don't think he's just pace. He's kind of very opposite to Olisanya in the sense that he's a good, he can carry the ball pretty well. Yeah. He, he seems like a kind of tricky guy. I, I think he could cause all sorts of problems for Dundee. But again, see if we went with Mandron. I'd probably expect this to. I'd, I'd expect to see us have a bit more of the ball, and if you're getting the ball into the box, we know we know what Mika's good at. I think um, need to be conscious of the fact that they've got maybe our most popular centre half of the last kind of five ten years in the middle of the defence, and they've got arguably our best goalkeeper of the last ten years or so Aye. between the sticks. So regardless of what you think about Dundee being a promoted team and what their station is compared to to us. I don't think you've promised anything. You know, you look back to the home game. They certainly the, start of the season against them. It took a Shaughnessy error to to put that header in his own goal. It took the you know them missing a penalty and all the rest of it just to eventually get the the result that we got. So I would expect a similar kind of end to end game. To be honest, both teams have got enough quality to to do something. So you know, I, I would imagine both teams will probably score and then where it goes from there. But I no, think I'll go for five one St Mirren. I, I would say nine 0 no. Eleven 0 no. Being cautious. Steady on. 
That's uh, there's only one man allowed to make that prediction, and uh, he's a lot younger than yourself. Um, <laughs> it's myself and Andrew who'll be making the long road up to Dens. Me and Andrew did Tanadice at the tail end of last season, so it's good to return to Dundee. Aye, uh, I've, I've not done, uh, not done commentary at Dens. Imagine you. I've never been to Dens before. Nah, nah. No, I've been to Tanadice four or five times. Never been to Dens. Been to Dens a good few times. I've actually not seen us. I don't think I've seen us lose at Dens. Yeah, I parked at the front door at Dens when we were up at Tanadice. <laughs> just, just left Class. the car. Look, looked like a single yellow, so I just left the car. Off. So, uh, that part of Dundee is a bit that is very much still in the 1980s or possibly the 1920s. But, uh, but the 1980s in Dundee were the nine. I think they only got wind of the road in 20s last month so uh, a bizarre bizarre area uh, to be honest which is just weird because I actually think the city I think the city centre of Dundee is actually quite nice but, uh, it's a good city it's a, we were talking about this on the, the Discord earlier on it's a good night out city aye. Had, a, had a very very good night in Dundee actually 10 years ago last month few, uh, few good so boozers around the stadium as well to be honest uh, so we snooker club round the corner for Tanadice and Dens that gets uh, usually gets Saints fans in it. Weirdly, one of the only pubs in Scotland I've ever been in that doesn't sell tenants. Well, no. I've, I've not been back since. So I wouldn't even go to Paisley Cafe unless they put a tenants tap in there. I think he's getting a tenants tap in for the live show. Oh, good man. Good man. I think with that, we'll probably leave the good people of Paisley to it. We'll catch up with them the other side of Saturday after either a 5-1 or a 9-0 victory for the good guys. And all it leaves for me to say at this point is fuck Nick Montgomery. Aye, that's a fairly good one. Uh, fuck Gordon Strachan. Also good. Always good. Respect that. Is he still the technical director at Dundee? Technical director slash nervously waiting to sack a manager so he can give a job to his pal. Uh, slash German's pal. Aye. I'm guessing there must be like some form of pal link to Tony Doherty. Like, I feel like Strachan's only ever like a change of the wind away from trying to appoint Mark McGee. Hey, listen, it nearly worked. Was it, uh, was it McGee that done when his interview and he was like his first one he was like I've uh, researched the whole squad and they were like oh, and who's the, who is it who's the captain again? is it Charlie it's fucking one of the <laughs> one of the best like many, many two second clips I've ever seen which was rightfully made into a meme for a lot of inappropriate stuff on uh, TikTok and Twitter at the time just what was the McGee interview about when he was banned and uh, we, we absolutely lost our shit about it on the podcast when he was interviewed about not being at the games and what he was doing oh it's, it's sitting in his scants watching and they're like oh man uh, I remember he came out and full on said if they didn't beat St Johnson they would uh, was it he would take his clothes off and like that's maybe what I'm thinking about a fucking strange strange guy uh, get Tony Doherty to fuck and get Mark McGee back in a man who's uh, in the game was a man whose nickname is Dingus in uh, football circles with ex-players. Hero. An absolute hero. Uh, I suppose I, I did say we should finish with the, the fuck Nick Montgomery's and fuck uh, 
what did you say again? Gordon Strachan. But I uh, probably should mention uh, uk for your merch. I think we're still talking about maybe a couple of wee Christmas things going up there. We obviously put the Gogic design up fairly recently. Um, the live show has sold out, sold out very quickly, which we're all very grateful for. That'll be the 16th of December. I would imagine, unless something too libelous to edit out happens, we will release the live uh, podcast as a How long did you spend editing the last one? Weeks. <laughs> uh, if anyone uh, if anyone wants to pay us enough money, I do still have the three raw uh, live show recordings on my computer, which... Um, Preferably someone that wouldn't release the recordings to anyone involved at St Mirren, my place of work, or anyone else's place of work. The Scottish Government, the media. Lara Wolf. My wife. Literally anyone. <laughs> <laughs> any of that, I think we're in some real bother. But uh, yeah, there will be a live show um, podcast out for general consumption at some point, probably between between the 16th and, and Christmas but that's a, a while away but it does mean we'll have to go off for us and actually write some stuff for us to do between now and then yeah. but there are some plans plans underway which we're very excited about and we'll, uh, we'll keep you all up to date on that one but uh, yeah we'll uh, see you soon enjoy your Saturday goodbye bye Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>